This is Alex Perillo. I'm excited to be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com. Have a great day. Greetings, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. I'm super excited today to have Steve Azonian, someone that I go back at least 30 years when I was writing for the Los Angeles Times about real estate and walked into his office in Newport Beach, the Prudential Real Estate Franchise, which at the time I believe Steve, a young guy, was, was uh, heading up. And I instantly was impressed with a guy who not only understood the big picture, big picture but also understood um, the details of real estate. Steve, welcome, great to have you today. Hey Brad, good to see you. Was 30 years ago, I think probably. When were you head of Prudential, was it Prudential Real Estate it was called, right? Yeah, it was Prudential Real Estate and Relocation uh, back in the mid 90s. Uh, I actually started with Prudential in the early 90s and then became uh, chairman and CEO in the mid, mid 90s as the internet was becoming pervasive in the business. And you were, uh, you were on the beat uh, supporting consumers like no one I ever knew. And uh, we got together and you taught me a few things about putting the consumer first. And, and hopefully I encouraged you to look at uh, the brokers and the agents in the right way too. And we put it all together. That's a great way of putting it. And then I grabbed you to be on the Microsoft advisory board and we built uh, uh, home advisor. You went on to be CEO of president of realtor.com, right? During the early yeah, days. Yeah, that, that was uh, sort of a little twist there and NAR and, and I and, and, uh, uh, Joe Hanauer and the people leading that uh, that effort got together, and uh, ironically, what ended up happening is Realtor.com made a deal with Microsoft, and we we ended up uh, taking over the syndication of uh, Home Advisor, and and Realtor.com, you know, became number one at that point, and and then things changed again. Yeah, they keep changing. We won't go into all that dark side stuff. But it, Steve, then you you did a lot of great things. You were Bank of America as an executive. You were one of the top guys at Remax, and now you work with Pat Stone um, in the whole insurance. You, you're on the board, I think, of of LendingTree. But so that's your bio. Let's let's talk now, if we can, something you've always talked about, but I think now it's even more prescient uh, about this kind of real estate ecosystem that it's one holistic experience but now i think we've experienced what you and i talked about before this interview the fragility of the real estate ecosystem is kind of laying bare under the corona virus and let's spend some time talking about that ecosystem and why it may show signs of being so fragile and even breaking and how we might come out of this maybe with a better system than we've been laboring under for decades. You want to give that a shot? Sure, sure, Brad. Um, and I've been very fortunate to have worked in different uh, parts of what I call the home ownership industry. And until you're actually an operator down, you know, shoveling the coal and understanding how the sausage is made, um, it's hard to put all the pieces together. So if you if you fast forward that to the way the consumer looks at the transaction, they don't distinguish between the title industry and the home building industry and the residential brokerage industry. The consumer simply looks at, I would like to have a new home or I'd like to invest in a piece of property and I'd like to get a, a really good, powerful, transparent ability to understand what I'm doing and have 
a trusted advisor help me through that process? Well, there's a lot that goes into the process because it all starts with the fact that, number one, there has to be available inventory to look at. So we have the search portals and the search portals now have a big task in front of them because everybody's online. They're sitting at home, they're looking at properties and the question becomes, are these serious buyers? Are these serious people who would like to list their home? And when you take a look at that part of the transaction, I think we've perfected in a lot of ways this transition from the old style of just looking at photos and so forth to now having video and video tours and other things. But what the pandemic has done is it's challenged the brokerage community to make sure that when people come online and they look for properties or an agent, that there's much more depth, that there's much more uh, content, and there's, there's much more of an ability for the industry to um, adapt and connect with the investor or the consumer online. And some of the agents, some of the brokers, they're adapting to this and they're doing a great job of stepping up their game. And we're going to see who the winners are because they stepped it up. Let's talk about that. Let's kind of go through the whole process, but let's talk about that front end. I think it's safe to say, yes, the consumer doesn't know how the sausage is made, but for them, it's clunky. There's all these handoffs um, and it's expensive. Supporting all these elements of the value chain is really damn expensive. And let's just take that first part. So I got Zillow and then Zillow hands me off to an agent and that agent may not be the person listing the house. It could be somebody else. And who knows who that person is? And I know Zillow does the best in realtor.com, but no one's, you know, that's an ad function, even with Zillow's new programs. And so they don't really know who they're handing off to me. And then the realtor has me and he's handing off me to a home inspector. And then the, you know, then they're handing me off to a mortgage lender. And then out of the blue as a title company, what's this about? And then I've always found that, you know, I don't want to compare it to getting a car, but it should be like, I hit one button on Uber and the car shows up, you know, I, all that sausage making and getting an Uber driver to my front lawn isn't, this is, God, you and I have been talking about probably the first time I came to your goddamn office, 30, oh, I told Yaz I wouldn't cuss. I'm sorry, Yaz. Um, but probably the first time I came to your office, I, um, we were talking about this. Is there anything in the corona that's going to maybe make that easier? And even if it's transparent, I don't know if most consumers would want to know how a sausage is made. Yeah, I don't think they want to know how it's made either. But I think the participants in the process need to understand how to improve it and work together more closely to get to do that. And, and I think that what we're going through with the pandemic is actually going to do some of that. I still think it'll be evolutionary rather, rather than revolutionary. And an example of that is that we now have RIN and RON, which are remote ink notarizations and remote online notarizations. What does so, remote mean, Steve, just so we're all on the same page? Does that mean I have to go to a tent in a parking lot? Or does that mean you come to my house? Or does that mean it's all digital, which would be Brad Inman's preference? Well, it's all digital. So a RON, a remote online notarization, is all digital. And, and that is sort of the holy grail of the end of the transaction where I'm signing the documents and, and closing, and I don't have to be in a room present with a notary. Uh, as is, that, is that ruled by states, 50 different state laws? Yeah, that's, that's correct. And there is some legislation that's being proposed nationally to change that. 
But here's the dilemma. Even by the way, by, by the way, in that legislation, should we rally the Inman community? And I assume NAR is on it. Like, let's just make that happen. I had to beg a big bank not to send a notary to my house on a, a document that was, you know, 60 pages, and there was one page left. And wanted a notary, and I argued, you know, do you really want to risk Brad Inman's life? for this stupid bureaucratic requirement. They finally waived it, which showed me under Corona, we can waive it. They should waive that all the time, but how do we get all that done? Well, that that is going to have to be a force that the lender community, and this again, this is where this ecosystem comes into play. It's not just about the title company, it's about the lending community, the title community, and the brokerage community all coming together and going and getting this done, because it does vary state by state, it is, it is happening today, but it's a very limited number of transactions. Now, the push to do more remote online notarization has been stepped up because of the pandemic, and we're seeing more of it, but it's still a sliver of what's happening. And a lot of lenders are still nervous about doing it. A lot of states don't have the infrastructure. We still need to train the notaries. But the good news is that the pandemic is sort of forcing this issue to come to the forefront. And we're seeing people in the industry who may have been reluctant to change how they do business, right? Or hopefully, is that you're seeing? I mean, we're seeing it virtual walkthroughs. We're seeing it with you know um, so many other things now. Um, are we seeing it on that? Pete Flint says the whole emphasis of innovation now has moved to the transaction. We were in the front end with information and Zillow and all that, but everything now has moved to the back end. And he says all the companies they're funding and all the big VCs, they're all these innovative new companies that are totally focused on the boring, gnarly back end, you know, the transaction. Is some of that taking hold? Does it come from the legacy players or is it end runs by these innovators? How are we going to finally do some of this? Well, and, that, that, and I hate when we keep blaming state law and, bl and not you're doing it here, Steve, but God, there's always someone to blame instead of why can't we just do this? Yeah, it, well, no, number one, it is it is not simply state law, because even if there was federal legislation tomorrow morning in enabling Ron to be available in all 50 states, people are not prepared for it anyway. Some of the lenders are not prepared for it. The secondary market doesn't accept it. Um, there aren't enough trained notaries. The technology's not in place in a lot, in a lot of communities. So we have major hurdles still, but, but we do need, um, you know, the, the local communities that govern these kind of things to be cooperative too. So it is truly a village that it's going to take to get this done. And I don't think there's one entrepreneur that's going to walk across the goal line with this in their hands. So if you think about it, the title companies have been transaction managers forever. You know, this holy grail of transaction management, why the hell haven't the title companies accomplished this by now? They're the ones that manage the transaction. You open an escrow and everything is like a data room, right, in, in an M&A transaction. Where does all this information go? So it goes into the title company's repository and they actually manage the transaction and then they manage the closing. So why the heck haven't the title companies pulled this off when they're right at the epicenter of it? Well, let me, Steve, let me just use a parallel. Um, whether I go through Homeland Security um, or I come through um, customs after traveling overseas, simple biometrics, I don't have to provide my passport. Um, 
and we're talking about the risk of terrorism here. And I don't have to, you know, if you go through clearance biometrics or a fingerprint, why is it that that can happen and we're still talking about a notary? Like, forget digitized notary. Why are we even talking about it? If this is about authentic, authentic, what's that word? Authentication, which it is in 99% of the cases in real estate, it's always some scurrilous excuse. I mean, you were Bank of America. It's just amazing to me that those institutions, the CEO of that company will use clear. <laughs> they probably have uh, the, the, you know, the passport, whatever that's called to get through customs uh, with their, you know, they love that when they travel overseas with authentication through biometrics, but they can't go back to their own institution and do the same thing here, because this is all about authentication. If it is, what is it that's holding us up? It doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like we do need an innovator to come in to give us those things that the industry just hangs on to the legacy past. Am I wrong? Hi, this is Bob Hale. I'm excited. I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find out the details at Inman.com. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And there are companies now that uh, have been startups that have spawned the ability to do these RON transactions through, through uh, e-notarization. However, the lending community in particular, which is led by banks and non-banks, large non-banks. So think about the large banks like B of A and Wells Fargo and so forth. Trying to get anything done is not an easy task, right? Large, bureaucratic, lots of layers. So, so there are challenges there. And if you go to the non-banks, I think people like Quicken and Loan Depot have a better chance of pushing yeah. forward on some of these things. And that will force others to follow once yeah. they get it over the goal line. So I would, I would keep an eye on what's going on there. I also think they're getting a share right now, right? Steve, someone was telling me they're Loan Depot and Quicken are really on a tear here to grab share from the big institutions and they could become, I mean, you must see this from your lending tree board seat. Am I right about that? Or is it still a small compared to the big boys? Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're, they're as bigger, bigger. Quicken, Quicken is a monster, the largest non-bank lender in the world now, um, you know, in mortgages. And, and they are going to seize more market share during this dilemma because remember the, the servicers and the, and the, and the brokers who, who feed from wholesale systems are under duress because of a lack of liquidity in the system right now and the risk management around, around how you play the game. So I, I think that's going to hurt some of the smaller mortgage players, and it's going to help some of the bigger ones, but the ones that are fast on their feet are really going to be able to take advantage as these abilities open up. And as you know, Quicken's been really forward thinking in the use of technology in this process. So I, I think they stand a good chance to be a leader in, in doing many of these things. That's great. Uh, you know, tell us about Lending tree, just a funny story. Doug Labdo, like all these entrepreneurs, whether it was you know Rich Barton or Pete Flynn or on and on and on, he was on stage with me when he launched. And some old you know codger broker out there that was cynical and you know loved to throw stones at the entrepreneurs. He he asked Doug, "How many transactions have you done?" And Doug said four. 
and people giggled and made fun of him. Let's let's just remind that broker who was so careless in his his attacks. What's the market cap of uh, of LendingTree today? Uh, roughly three billion. Okay, there you go. Anyway, uh, not to bring back it just. You know, when someone looks silly now, like in the back end of the transaction that Pete Flint may be funding right now, the reality is, you know, maybe these people really will change the game and 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 just move past the legacy business. But you're right about Quicken, um, you know, because and loan, yeah, those those are great examples. Anything else on that front that you feel optimistic about? Where Corona's moving us, kind of forcing the hand of that digital transaction? Yes, I, I think because consumers are now becoming even more comfortable at using FaceTime and Zoom, Blue Jeans, all of them to communicate and work together on moving things along. Uh, as an example, we have a product called My Home where everybody comes into this, this, this bubble and it's like a data room where everybody sets themselves up, the lender, the realtor, and the consumer and there's a lot of transparency and empowerment based on the ability to go and put data in and collaborate on moving the transaction along. So I can sign documents, I can, I can make decisions, I can load appraisals, I can load inspections, and therefore I can make the transaction not only more efficient, but I can get more transparency and I take away the sting of all the lack of communication that drags down the communication in the consumer's mind while they're going through it. So I think that this pandemic has forced people to say, you know what, those fun things I do with the grandchildren or I do with my buddies, um, now I should be doing those in the business uh, world and I can make things actually easier for myself. And, and so I think consumers are really adapting well of this. If you talk to some of the highest producing agents in the country that are still you know, making it happen during the pandemic, they'll tell you that they are now perfecting how you use digital communications to actually get listings, communicate with people and drive the transaction. And as long as they can com communicate with the lender, the consumer and the transaction manager, today the title companies, it's going to be a better experience. Yeah, yeah, I've, uh... I added up the market cap of the six largest airlines in the world and they're less than Zoom. And that's symbolic, but I think my prediction is that after this is over, that business travel as we know it will be cut in half. Because we all know now, it's one thing maybe, you don't need to meet with colleagues, you need to motivate a sales force, but even that, but all the business contractual administrative reasons we used to get on planes, none of that's gonna be necessary again. You'll never need to sit face to face to do a contract negotiation, certainly not a closing. But you think of all the things that business travel, I just think business travel is gonna get hit really hard because people realize I don't need to get on a plane, check into a hotel and get a cab and go through Manhattan traffic. Um, Pete Flint was talking, and I know you've been involved in a lot of startups about how the venture capital world was legacy, like real estate. It was all about people showing up at Sand Hill Road, making the pitch, la di da di da di and now they have a seven day totally digital, online, using Zoom, using financial, um, make a decision, let the entrepreneur know up or down, ASAP. And I just think everything's gonna be like, it. no one's gonna be flying into SFO to go to Sand Hill Road, or not as many anyway, because you just don't need all that stuff, right? I, I, I agree with that, and think about the other big thing that's gonna happen. And this was absolutely already underway, which is the need for office space 
yeah. and the need to commute and is going to go way down. And I, I believe it'll be 50% because when I look at the boards I'm on and, and, and with WFG, that's sort of that uh, average amount that probably will stay at home because it's working so well. As yeah. long as you can set goals, measure and communicate, it can work well. Well, think yeah. about it. You're going to have happier employees. And as long as they're as productive and the quality of the work product is as good or better, why not? So yep. if I'm an office, if I own office buildings or I'm an office space developer, um, I, I, got, I have a problem because the, the remote workforce is now finally going to take hold in a big way. And it's not just in the U.S. I think it's going to be a global event. Um, that, that is going to make it actually less stressful for people, right? Because the commute is one of the worst parts of Absolutely. working, right? And we're going to have cleaner, we're going to have cleaner air, by the way. Inman went virtual four years ago, closed down our offices of 30 years. Um, and, uh, productivity went up. Um, recruiting was much easier because young people with families and we have a young workforce they put a premium on the quality of life and being around their kids and morale went up. People are much happier not having to commute every day. And uh, I think every company now is experiencing that. And those are the three most important things as an employer. How's your morale? Can you recruit new people? And how's the productivity and this paranoia that you need to be in an office? I mean, people manage up all the manage upper peoples, you know, they, they don't work online in uh, you know, the, uh, the teams and the uh, Slack environment because you catch them. Uh, where in the old days, those people that could manage up well, you know, succeeded because they ran around to smooth their boss in an office. Anyway, hey, Steve, this has been fantastic. Keep, keep up the fight. I know you've been in the beauty of what when you talk about the ecosystem, you've worked at every part of it and you know every part of it really well. And, you know, people and, and if anyone can lead the charge, it's you. And uh, let's come out of this in a better place because you and I have been talking about it for too long. We need to talk about something else. Any last words for the Inman community? Anything you'd like to say to everybody? Well, I'd like to say to everybody that I think this industry has done a wonderful job during this pandemic of continuing to hold up its end of the bargain. And my hats go off to everyone that's participated in a proactive and positive way, especially the agents on the street who only work off of commissions. We owe it to them to help drive the business so they can provide for their families. Well said, Steve, and that is absolutely the working realtor who doesn't have, you know, doesn't have that paycheck guaranteed. So, uh, and I know that you've worked your whole career of helping those folks. So again, thanks, Steve Azoni, and this is Brad Inman checking out.